0: Welcome to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy Podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy. I am your host, and today we are here with the quick and dirty analysis of the CPI report and this month. Maybe a little less quick, a little, but definitely a little more dirty. Um, we had another another one for the ages today. It seems like we have one for the ages every uh, every couple of months, but. Um but going into this month, you know, we we sort of, yeah, you know, it's interesting. We sort of felt like, or the market sort of felt like, economists sort of felt like, you know, we've we've gotten to the peak, you know, the, the the peak has passed, maybe not median, but it seemed like, you know, the rate of change was going to decelerate. In fact, the market had been very confident of the idea that we're there yet, you know. <laughs> That the that the Fed has won, and that inflation is going to fall rapidly back to two and a half percent on CPI, roughly two percent on the on PCE, and um, uh, you know, and and in fact, you know, one year inflation swaps going into this number were at about two point five five percent or something like that. So, um, so there there was a, a great deal. So that's over the next year. So from now. For one year, 2.5% inflation. Now, keep in mind that, you know, we had, before this number, core inflation was at 5.9%, down from 65 but still. Median inflation was at 6.27%, still rising. And yet, you could get 25 or 2.6% in one year inflation in the market. That's amazing confidence in the Federal Reserve. And, and by the way, it's a confidence that I don't really understand at all. It, it's It's certainly very little that the Fed has done over the last several years, and I would argue for the last decade and a half. but 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 certainly, for the last couple of years, I don't see much of anything to to say to give me confidence in in the Federal Reserve. I mean, you know they 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 printed a lot of money and and said it wouldn't do anything. And then when it did something, they said it was transitory. And then, I guess the only part I would give them credit for is that once they started tightening, they really did tighten. They raised rates anymore, anyway, more than I thought they would. But, but other than that, it's very hard to give them a lot of confidence. But that's what the market was pricing in. Now, some of that obviously is just risk transfer, and so we don't know that that's that market participants are are were expecting two and a half percent inflation over the next year. But certainly, if you talk to economists, they were generally of the view that inflation was going to be now steadily coming down. And um, anyway, I'll get to that in just a second. But 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 going into this, this number, the the median forecast was for 0.32% or so on core CPI. And lower on that, on head lower than that on headline because gasoline prices have been going down and that was still a drag but core at 3.2 at at 0.32% month on month. So that's already that's about a 4% annualized core inflation rate and again we have been seeing closer to 6. So and last month we also had a 0.3% on core. And so it, you know it didn't seem like an outlandish forecast um, except for the fact that that 3 that 0.3% last month was a bunch of one-offs. It was, you know, airfares, it was car rental. It wasn't any of the big sticky things. And that's what we talked about in the podcast last last month is that it wasn't the sticky stuff. And that the sticky stuff was still, you know, looking sticky and still looking like, you know, rents and and um owners equivalent rent and the big slow moving pieces of uh, uh core services were starting to show a little um uh a little bubbliness but so I, I sort of thought that that 0.3% was was already that was a little bit sporty to be betting on 0.3% core again but but honestly i i thought the the, the highs of inflation were in i you know honestly i didn't think that the debate heading into this figure I didn't think that the the debate was about whether or not inflation was coming down. I think I think most everybody agreed that that uh, even though some of the year-on-year figures, you know, would would probably uh, take a while to peak, particularly the sticky things and you know median and so on, but that you know the the, the pressures were getting close to to peaking and coming down. Um, and I think that the debate was really about. Well, when they come, when inflation comes down, is it going to come down right to two and a half percent, you know, Fed target kind of area, or is it going to come down to four and a half percent and stay, you know, persistent and 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 sticky at that level? And and so that was the next interesting the debate the debate that we were ready to have, um, but now we're sort of back to the question of Are we there yet? Do we have we even reached the peak in pressures? Um, so because when the, when the number actually printed at 830 we got 0.57% month on month in core so again the expectation so that's about a quarter percent higher than what the market was looking looking for that's a that's a big difference the year on year, core year on year jumped all the way up to 6.3 again we recently had 6.47 but here's a little fun fact if we just if if next month Core inflation was 0.4% month on month. So not not as high as this month, but if it was only 0.4%, then we would match the prior high in core CPI. And if it's, of course, anything higher than that, then we would actually set a new high in -in year-in-year core, Um, which, again, changes the narrative around uh, quite a bit. Um, Median inflation, and this is one of the more disturbing things, was that median inflation, and again, I look at median because... Core inflation, a lot of you know headline inflation, core inflation, you know they are averages, and so, as we saw last month, you know big changes in small weights can move an average. And but I don't really care about you know something that's one percent of the basket, even if it moved a lot, it doesn't tell me what overall price pressures are doing. And so median inflation and sticky. CPI and and some of the other things, trimmed mean, they give you a better sense of what the the main part of the distribution is doing. What are most prices? What's what's the big, chunky part of the distribution doing? And so median CPI printed uh, 0.738% month on month. Okay, So that is 9.2% annualized or so. And that's a new monthly high. Again, we all sort of thought that the pressures were starting to peak. I mean, last month, median was 0. 0.53 or something, and that was still pretty high, but it was down from, from the prior peak. And, and so even though the year-on-year numbers were still rising, we thought, okay, well, maybe we've at least sort of gotten to, to you know, the, the, the top step anyway. And we can't say that anymore because we just we, we just reached another step. Um, Core goods inflation was 7.06% year-on-year. Remember, that was really high. It's been coming down. It's been coming down because partly because ports are becoming unclogged and transportation costs are going down a little bit, Um, uh, but also because the dollar has been really strong and that tends to put downward pressure on core goods. It actually was slightly higher this month than last month, uh, year-on-year. mainly because new cars was, was sort of a surprise on the upside. Um, core Services rose to 6.07. So we have Core Goods, 7.06, Core Services, 6.07. So they appear to be meeting somewhere in the middle at six and a half. That's not where you wanted them to come together. Uh, so again, everything, every, everything we're saying sounds like six something and that's not where the market was. Uh, we have primary rents 6.74 percent year on year and owner's equivalent up to seven percent uh, 6.3, um, and those are month on month numbers of, of better than 0.7 percent. So again, you know, nine or 10 percent rate of increase in, in, uh, in rents. Um, Again, another one of the things which was sort of disturbing because we, we've known the rent story. And so there was there was a, a debate, you know, are rents going to peak in first quarter of next year or the fourth quarter of this year or the second quarter? You know, when, when are they going to peak and where are they going to peak? But we sort of knew that that, you know, rents are a big, slow-moving, important piece. Um, but because they're slow-moving, there aren't a whole lot of surprises there. It's been a little bit surprising how how far the – it has gone up but but not dramatically so um, what is a bit more of a surprise is that if you look beyond rents and you look at core services less rent of shelter okay so you have core goods and then you have core services and then within core services you have rents and and and, and not rents <laughs> and so core core services less rent of shelter are things like you know doctor's services or hospital services or uh, tuitions and things like that. So uh, that number, which had been very well behaved for decades and nicely coming down, in fact, over the last 10 years, 15 years before before COVID hit, uh, it reached a high of 5.75% year on year. That's way higher than it had been. Of course, all these numbers are way higher than they'd been. But but again, that's another relatively slow-moving piece. It's not as slow-moving as rents, but it's something that's, that's, that's slow-moving. But more importantly, what's interesting about that category is that those are things where the wage feedback loop shows up. If you think about core service, if you think about doctors, hospitals, colleges. You know what is you know their big input cost isn't steel. Their big input cost isn't something you import. Their big input cost are wages, and this is, and we've now had this inflation going on long enough that wage uh, increases, um, uh, sa- salary settlements, um, cost of living adjustments, all of those things are are now coming back, and they're starting to hit this relatively slow moving part of, of the CPI. And so if you wanted to look for wage, the, a wage price spiral, and, and I think that term is overused. We haven't seen it in forever, and it's, anyway, it's kind of weird. But if you, if you wanted to look at part of the CPI where you would find a wage price spiral, this is it. So let's think about, think about colleges. Tuitions for some time have been, and I, I had a podcast about this recently, but tuitions for some time have been coming down, and part of the reasons they've been coming down has been that endowments have been doing well, you know, investing in stocks and bonds, you know, for quite some time, and there was a lot of government largesse um, that was sort of, uh, uh, you know, being distributed to public colleges, and those things were tending to. Uh, th- those things meant that colleges didn't necessarily need to increase tuition as much because the endowment was contributing because the government was contributing and so on. And, and and we sort of thought those things were changing anyway. Well, we were plus 1.3 month on month, non-seasonally adjusted in in tuition this, this month. Now that by itself isn't amazing. This is a, this is August and, and the adjustments, the non-seasonally adjusted, uh, Uplift in tuitions tend to happen in just one or two months of the year, and so that part's not amazing. Um, but it does mean that over the next year, we're going to start to see tuitions, you know, start to increase again. Year the year-on-year on year figure uh, once we kind of smooth smooth out the seasonal adjustment. But but my point is, if you think about how a college operates, you know, colleges have one of their big inputs um, uh, are wages, and so colleges are are seeing just like everyone else they're seeing their costs increase and when they see their costs increase at some point they have to increase their prices well there's a nice lag in college tuition setting it's not like you know your, your corner barber shop it's not like the the deli on the corner it takes some time it takes br- roughly a year at least a year and depending on when things hit up to 2 years before those costs get reflected in the budget for next year and that budget for next year uh, includes a, a tuition hike. And so we're starting to see that. So that's that's sort of that wage price spiral a little bit in that something that happened a year or two ago affected the wages. The wages affected the budgets of colleges. Now colleges are increasing their prices. And you can imagine further that now anybody who has young kids and is seeing wa- uh, tuitions go up um, That's now part of their costs, and they're going to want to bargain for higher wages as well. So again, I think the wage price spiral thing is probably overplayed, but core services less rent of shelter is where you would see that, and it's where we seem to be seeing something which smells a lot like a wage price spiral. Now, headline inflation is is still off the highs, but a nice little thought experiment Kind of fun to, to do is what if, you know, the reason that co- that headline inflation is off the highs is because of gasoline. And we know that. Everyone knows that. Gasoline prices have went way up and now they've come down. They're not anywhere as low as they had been, but they're quite a bit off the highs. Um and so that's why headline inflation is 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 lower than it was. But here's a little thought experiment. If over the last two months, instead of having this big drag from gasoline, if instead gasoline prices had gone up just as much as core inflation over those two months, okay, so, so just as much as all the other prices in the economy, okay, if gasoline prices had just done that instead of how much they fell, 5 10 15 20% that they fell, then headline inflation would be uh, at 9.1%. And and basically at a new high, so so when we kind of are looking at these you know nice month on month numbers and taking a little victory lap, we have to recognize that more now than than last month, it's very clear that right now that's just a gasoline phenomenon, and a lot of that gasoline phenomenon happened because of the uh, the draining of the strategic petroleum reserve, and oh by the way, we're getting close to being done draining the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, um, what then? This is mostly a, a podcast about economics, but one little trading comment that I need to make is that when you are a trader, and in particular if you're, you're you know a, a large trader or whatever, or there are a couple of large traders in the market you're dealing with, a lot of times you can tell... And, and and i've I've heard tell this is true also on on the floor back when people were really on the floor trading things but if there's one one guy who's one side of the market and he's buying 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 and then he sort of starts to slow down and you get the sense he's sort of full then what you now know is that there's a guy who is a very you know he's 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 out over his skis and he's very vulnerable to being steamrolled. And so if you now start to sell in his face and put it put it through where he was willing to buy before but now he has no more money to buy with, then pretty quickly he's going to be selling. So now you know who's holding a big, you know, a big position that's in a bad place. That's what the strategic petroleum reserve is right now. We know it's going to have to refill, and in fact, there's a plan to sort of refill it. And but, but we know that they're going to have to do it. Um, it does have a strategic purpose, and, and we they were selling, 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 and at some point they ran out of. They're going to run out of everything that they need to sell, and at that point, my suspicion is that the people out there who. Um, uh, sell petroleum for a living um, might make it a little bit challenging to go and refill the SPR. Just a guess, but I would think that your opportunity, your your chance at a long up t- upside tail event in energy prices um, is now a lot higher than it used to be because there's nobody with any, with any crude stocks to go. Um, let's turn quickly to the Fed Um, The Fed is meeting next week, and the consensus going in to this number today was that the Fed was going to tighten 75 basis points next week, and that they were going to then kind of slow their roll a little bit. Um, After this figure, this afternoon, actually, uh, Nomura came out, and there'll be others, uh, saying that no, you know the Fed now is going to tighten a hundred basis points next week. Um, I don't think that's the case. Now I'm not going to be terribly strident about that because I've been wrong on the Fed quite a bit <laughs> over the last uh, last year. But I will say that you know we're past the the uh, open mic period of uh, of Fed commentators between now and the meeting. We're not supposed to have anybody on the uh, on the tape. So I will say that unless you get you know the the obvious leak article in the Wall Street Journal saying that the Fed is thinking about doing 100. Um, I think it's very unlikely at this point that uh, that that will change because again, if you're if you're the if you're the Fed, one number shouldn't really change what you're doing all that much. Um, maybe this changes the timber of, of of what they thought was happening, but what I where I really think you see that isn't in this meeting. It's in expectations for the November meeting we still have another CPI before the November meeting. So I wouldn't necessarily overreact and think that the, that the Fed, especially for all their chest beating about, you know, um, they're going to do kind of whatever it takes or as long as it takes. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that they're going to want to quickly say, whoops, we were wrong. We got a lot more to go. And I don't think there's anything in this number that says, oh, whoops, we have a lot more to go. What I will say is that at some point the Fed and and remember, the Fed's models say that everything mean reverts and so this is gonna go back down. At some point, the Fed is gonna to wanna to slow down and take a look um, at at, you know, and 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 wait on what they are sure is going to happen, which is that, that inflation is going to come back down. Um is that going to be after this meeting or next meeting or the meeting after that? I don't know. I don't I don't think they will stop at, you know, 3%. But on the other hand, I don't think they'll wait. They'll, I don't think they'll get to 5% before they decide to, to slow down and take a pause. So um, the other thing, though, is that at some point they need to to look at what's happening and really think about what's happening and rather get away from the models a little bit. If there's a wage price spiral here, you're not really going to help it by, by hiking rates. Um, You know, a lot of what you're doing is a lot of what's happening to the price level is that we're, we had a 40% increase in the money supply and we had a 15% increase in prices. And at some point, those those have to come more back into line. That that prices, you know, should eventually go up quite a bit higher than they already are. I thought that would happen over time. I thought we'd have sticky inflation around five percent or high fours, low fives, whatever, and that it would take a couple of years, but we would eventually get up there. Um, this might end up happening faster than that. Uh, but what the Fed does need to do is try to drain liquidity faster, try to shrink its balance sheet faster than it's doing. And the problem with that is that even the tiny bit of balance sheet reduction they've done so far has started to lead to much less liquidity in the markets. And so the risk is that they may not be able to do the right thing, which is to really decrease the size of the balance sheet uh, substantially. So the Fed is kind of not in a great place right now. They, They put themselves there and and they have got to be very confused because every prediction their models have made has been wrong but i think they still believe that neutral on an interest rates uh, basis you know is around is in the 3s i don't think they believe that 5% is neutral and and so i think that as they tighten here they're going to be increasingly sensitive to poor market reactions. Because what they really don't want to do, and they say they don't mind if they cause a recession, and maybe that's true. If they're if they're wise, then they understand that a recession um, is more ephemeral than than an inflation accident. But but what they definitely care about very deeply is is that markets remain orderly. And that if stocks are going to decline, that they decline slow and gently and the interest rates go up slowly and gently. Um, If they, if those things, if there's a, if the decline in liquidity starts to lead to really sloppy market performance. um, And, and I will say that (laughs) right now, as I'm saying this, the, uh, the stock market, you know, the, the Dow is down almost 1,000 points. And, and, and you know, that's not – we've had a couple of those. That's not terribly sloppy yet. But but if you have a couple of those, it's going to – it that will make – that will be something that makes the Fed slow down a little bit. Because then you really do have to say, well, are, you know, is this like – are we going to cause more problems by, by shrinking liquidity and raising rates than we're solving um, – well are we going to cause more short-run problems than we're solving in the long run? That's, I wouldn't want to be in their position. Um, the last thing I want to say before, before calling it a day here is that um, – and I've mentioned this before, but I, I, I continue to think that there is a big mistake being made by politicians here. And, and I don't know that it's very easy to get out of this mistake because it's a mistake that they made previously in, in, in terms of communicating – What we have heard lots of people say um, is that inflation was going to go back down. And that was our communication. Inflation is going to go back down. And and we as economists and traders and investors know that what they mean is inflation is at eight, inflation is going to go back down to two. What the average person out there hears is, oh, inflation is going to go back to normal, what you're saying is prices will go back to what I thought the normal prices were. And that's not what's going to happen. Prices are not going to go back to the old prices. Even if inflation goes back to 2.5%, your haircut is not going to go back to what it used to cost. And unfortunately, that's what the vast majority of people who hear that phrase, inflation is going to go back to normal, they're thinking prices. That communication has been done incredibly poorly and it's going to... It's going to come a cropper and it's going to be it's, I, I think that's going to have electoral, electoral consequences. Anyway, that's all for today's podcast. Um, I will say that if you want to have any of this, I'm, I'm doing this in the afternoon um, of the CPI day. If you want to a lot of this stuff I'm doing in real time on CPI morning and and the way you can get that, information is if you go to inflationguide.blog and go to the shop the store and and uh, and you can buy access to my private Twitter feed where all this stuff is happening in real time and so the first you know 10 20 30 minutes after CPI I'm I'm uh, you know doing all this analysis and putting it out there and, and telling you what I think about things um, it's not free but um, if, it, if this is valuable to you and, and, uh, and you think you need to know what inflation is doing, then it's probably worth the fairly small price of admission. So that's inflationguy.blog. You can also, by the way, always email in, me at inflationguy@enduringinvestments.com or follow the blog at inflationguy.blog. You can follow me on my free Twitter. That's at inflation underscore guy. But you don't get that that neat stuff. uh, You can download the Inflation Guy app, visit Enduring Investments, and most of all, defend your money. If inflation is coming for you, remember, you know a guy.